Welcome to Marketing Meets Web3, a podcast that helps marketers navigate the news, trends, opportunities, and insights surrounding Web3. Today's conversation is for information purposes only and does not constitute legal or investment advice. Hello, Nick. How are you doing? Hey, Alberto. I'm doing well. I, uh, I've got my workout done. I've got my cup of coffee next to me. I'm ready to talk about the news. That's very nice. But do you have uh, $6 million? Oof. I'm a little short of $6 million today. What do I need $6 million for? Yeah. If you had $6 million, you could have been uh, all in in, the, uh, in a round that recently closed for a AI-backed Web3 data platform company called um, Mnemonic. Uh, so this... Uh, <laughs> That, that was a lot of words in one <laughs> sentence. We're going to have to dive I mean, into this one. No wonder they raised six million. I mean, if you are AI backed Web three and data platform, you have all the everything they going for all, you. All the words, yeah. <laughs> Tell me so, about it. What's going on? Yes. Yeah, so, so this company is a provider of uh, AI backed non fungible token data and uh, analytics for enterprises and Web three developers. And um, what's I think most interesting about this, aside from uh, you know the the puzzle of uh, names and stuff is that uh, this round was led by Salesforce. So Salesforce Ventures was the one that uh, that led this, and I guess is the one that uh, put in the most the most money. And I think this is the interesting part because this means a total Web two company, Salesforce, dedicated to um, helping Web two companies, is uh, getting into this which is ai okay but it's also web3 and it's also nfts so they're really uh, getting into this um this sector and i think uh, this is the, the interesting bit but uh, what do you think is this interesting for you as well uh, absolutely i mean salesforce they've been very active in the web3 space so far um they've already jumped in on things like uh web3 loyalty they've they've actually announced that there will be a web3 um portion of their product. It's actually going to be a business line. So I think they see Web3 as the future. Um, you know, Salesforce was a disruptor when the web was just coming into its own. So, you know, they basically created their name and their business on the idea of betting on the web. So to me, it makes sense that they would look at Web3 and consider this an evolution and just understand that they need to go here to make sure that they don't get disrupted um, by a Salesforce of the future. It's uh you know, it remains to be seen how this really plays out in terms of strategy. But like a lot of large companies, um, mega corporations like Salesforce, a lot of times, you know, they'll make these early bets just to make sure that they're playing the game, to make sure that they're connected to what's happening in the ecosystem, to get familiar with the technology, to start building relationships with some of these early teams and these early innovators. So overall, I see this as a, a positive and a win for the industry. They're kind of uh, disrupting themselves then. Um, it's, I, I think so, yeah. <laughs> it's something that this, this um, what they're trying to accomplish with this, I think, uh, is something that we've discussed in the past, which is um, the the value that Web3 could bring to to something like a CRM. And there's, there's one um, comment here from uh, Max Compareto, who is the co-founder of uh, Salesforce Web3 Studio, which I'm guessing is the one that uh, led the round. And uh, his comment is, and I quote, our aim is to empower organizations to thrive in Web3 by providing them with a holistic view of how, cost, how customers interact with their brand across traditional and emerging digital channels. So it's basically 
using Web3 to follow the customer, to follow the user, and um, basically track everything uh, this person is is doing, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Salesforce at their core, they're uh, they're a CRM. You know, so they're they've, they've of course grown into other things like their marketing platform, and they have a lot of tools for managing a total customer relationship, but. At their core, they're really about understanding customers and making sure that you're giving your customers the best experience by creating a unique and personalized journey uh, for them. So, you know, I think this fits right into their overall vision and their narrative about what they're building. Um, at the end of the day, as as marketers in the Web3 space, this Web3 is technology, right? And technology needs to serve our business aims and goals. And and you know, the need to understand customers is never going to go away. There's never going to be a day where a marketer says, you know what, I don't, I don't need to know what people want. I don't need to understand my customers to build a good relationship. Web3 just gives us new tools to bridge that gap and start having better conversations with customers. You know, when consumers were, we've honestly gotten pretty jaded with the way that current systems work. We're tired of being followed around the web. We're tired of being tracked and advertised to that doesn't mean that we're not willing to interact. That doesn't mean that we're not willing to uh, trade some of our information. We just want we want a better deal. With um, with NFTs and Web three, the, the CRM business is. I mean, you're, you're kind of cheating here, no? Because I mean, when a person has their identity, their um, their um, desires. I mean, the the, the, the experience with uh, within Web three in the form of tokens that they carry around in their wallets. I mean, you have all the story there, right? So it's kind of like a bit. So all this information that you were struggling to gather in Web in Web two, in um, in Web three, you basically have it all in front of you. Right? You know what this person purchased. You know when they purchased it. Uh, you know how they did it, pretty much. Um, you know which which airdrops they received, so you basically have everything in front of you. So uh, it's a bit like cheating, no? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on how you look at it. It could be looked at as a, a cheating um, compared to the current system. But if you think about, you know, what this empowers in terms of the consumer's control of their data, it's actually a much better deal uh, for customers. So, you know, I see a world in the future where once Web three is a little bit more mainstream and people. Uh, there's less friction around things like wallets, or they don't even have to think about things like wallets. There's going to be a day where those NFTs that we're collecting that do represent things like purchases and interests, we're going to have control of those things. And there's, there will be a world where you and I will be able to create profiles. Maybe that happens in the browser, maybe that happens in the wallet, but those profiles then will be able to associate with different NFTs. And that's what we'll be able to share with a brand. And I think the keyword there is share. Like, you know, as a consumer, I'm able to share that with a brand on my own, um, on my own accord. I can also decide to opt out of that relationship whenever I want. That's a lot different than today's web where I'm given a cookie and my data is sold anonymously behind the scenes, you know, through an ad platform and then marketers just target me. I never asked for that. This is a different way for consumers to raise their hand and say, I want to know more about your company. I want to know more about what you offer. I want a better deal. Yeah, it's true that in uh, in many cases, uh, your information ends up uh, going somewhere and you don't even know where it's going. And uh, some some companies, of course, use this for their, for their marketing. And um, and uh, I'm not saying that they take advantage, but they, they do get in there without you giving permission in some way or without you really caring or having some care or interest in this in this company, which is... 
different than uh, what happens in uh, another kind of marketing, which is um, the second topic I want to talk about today, which is um, influencer marketing. With influencer marketing, we have a different situation, right? Because uh, in here, what we have is a relationship built between a person and uh, the influencer, of course, that is somewhat influencing on the first person. And uh, this relationship already shows some kind of interest on the part of the of the person who's being influenced, right? Because it's uh, consuming the content that this person, the influencer, is, is putting out. So the, we all understand how this is a bit different and how this is becoming a thing. But um, I recently came across a um, study from HubSpot that um, shows or anticipates that this is going to be much greater in the future. Uh, so let me let me quote what uh, HubSpot is saying uh, about uh, influencer marketing. They're saying that it's going to e evolve in a common marketing tactic. And uh, they anticipate that 89% of marketers who currently use influencer marketing will increase or maintain their investment in 2023. And furthermore, 17% of marketers are planning to invest in it for the first time next year. Notably, micro-influencers, that could be us, who often uh, have higher levels of uh, engagement despite uh, smaller follower counts are becoming particularly important in this area. So yeah, influencer marketing and um, Web3, what do you think in here? Well, before we dive in, I want to back up and, and uh, just correct something you said that you said that could be us no, alberto that is us we're the micro influencers are we already nice <laughs> we're already there <laughs> nice you know so yeah let's talk about this trend i mean obviously influencer marketing um it's kind of its own separate discipline and it's been a discipline that's been evolving it's a channel that's been evolving it's it's a set of strategies and tactics that has come into or, or has matured i think over the past really three to five years, you know, COVID and people being on lockdown and stuck to their screens uh, for over a year, I think really accelerated this trend where we were, you know, we're honestly, as humans, we were craving connection. And I think the first place we went for that connection was social media. And so it gave people who were using social media as a platform to influence a lot more airtime, if you will. They had the spotlight for a lot longer than they might have um, if we weren't all stuck inside on lockdown. Um, but, you know, how this trend unrolls in the coming years, I think it's it's going to get really interesting. So the connection to Web3 here is that there's a narrative happening around social media uh, where both users and people creating content, I think, are feeling a little burned out by the platforms, right? We use things like Meta. We use things like you know Facebook, Instagram. We use things like TikTok. Whatever your platform of choice is, that platform in the middle is a gatekeeper. And in a lot of situations, it's difficult for the content creator to really get the value back that they're providing to their audiences. Right? A content creation is an incredibly hard job. I mean, just you know, creating this podcast is as minor as that might seem to people. It takes a lot of effort, right? We put time into uh, these conversations. We want to bring value to our listeners. People do this across all channels. And so they're putting in all of this effort to create content that's valuable for audiences and funneling that through a platform. However, they have no control over the rules of that platform, the way that content gets distributed, or how they're compensated, if they're compensated for that content at all. And so where this gets pretty interesting is it was Web3 is an opportunity for influencers and content creators to basically um, 
not completely free themselves of platforms, but give themselves a lot more latitude to take their audiences from platform to platform wherever they see fit. And just to play that out a little bit further, the way this could work in the future, there are some um, kind of emerging experiments around something called decentralized social. And these are platforms that basically take the idea of social media and flip it on its head. And they say, you know, what if the platform isn't actually providing the value? What if the content creator is? And what if the content that they're creating is actually um, contained in an NFT? So the things that you post, the comments that you accrue, the interactions with your audience could actually be contained in one or more NFTs. And that way, if you decide to go to a different platform, you can take your content with you. That's a big sticking point right now for platforms because if you're a YouTube creator, it's impossible to take your YouTube content with you. Sure, you can go upload your videos somewhere else, but all of that, you know, that juicy following that you've accrued, that's not going to go with you. Um, and so this idea that Web3 kind of frees the creator to take their content, their interactions and their audiences to other platforms is an interesting evolution. It's very early and it's going to take a while for this to play out. But if we get to a world where influencers and content creators can freely move between platforms without the penalty of losing their audiences, I think it puts marketers in a much different position to build relationships directly with influencers, to worry less about the distribution platform, and to know that you know they're, they're targeting audiences based on the quality of the content and the influencer's ability to de deliver value, not just do things like game the algorithm. Yeah, and this could potentially solve something that um, happens, right? The other day I was talking to a person who is a... Um, Instagram influencer <laughs> and uh, he was talking to me about well not an influencer but uh, he, he's got like a uh, hundred thousand followers I guess on Instagram so so he, he was telling me that he wanted to move from Instagram to Twitter because the audience that he's targeting or talking to in Instagram is not the right audience for him although he grew in Instagram and he's finding it hard to make the jump from uh, Instagram to, to Twitter with the same ideas. But uh, yeah, the thing is that he, he already grew in that one and it's becoming difficult for him or it's proving difficult for him to, to just you know move uh, his content and uh, his uh, presence from, from one platform to the next. And I guess this is the problem for many people who may be TikTok influencers, but not Instagram influencers or uh, Twitter influencers, but not Instagram influencers. And um, basically the content is the same. And uh, what changes is of course, uh, I guess the, the audiences and the way the, the content is presented. But uh, it would be nice if uh, what you're saying, you know, becomes somewhat true where, you know, you have the, the content goes with the person instead of uh, being part of the of the platform. I think uh, I think some stuff like this could, could potentially be be solved. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Step3, an engagement marketing platform that helps brands build deeper customer relationships. Step3 makes it easy to design custom branded membership programs that include rewards like exclusive content, VIP event passes, merchandise, discounts, and more. Unlock new revenue streams and enhance customer lifetime value with Step3's easy-to-use no-code tools. Go to step3.io to learn more. Coming back to, to the piece of news that we were covering, this could open up the market for uh, agencies, marketers to find um, these micro influencers and to target them, to, to acquire them for, for campaigns uh, in an easier way, I guess, right? If there was something like a market 
with um, all of these um, NFTs that have the content from these um, micro influencers, I think it would be easy to just uh, bid for these uh, micro influencers and uh, create a market for this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's we, we've seen this happen with things like uh, audio and video licensing, right? So, you know, there are now very big brands that have built their business on top of basically uh, creating a platform where creators can upload content and they can license that to uh, brands, other creators, uh, et cetera, marketers. And the same thing could potentially happen with content and with social. So, you know, this, for a lot of people, I think this is going to sound like a pretty far away concept. Or it's going to be hard to grasp. But I think the idea to to play with here is that if a creator can create their content and they can encapsulate that content and the interactions and the people that are following that content in an NFT, they can basically post that into a marketplace. And like you're saying, you know, the market dynamics can set the price of that, uh, you know, supply and demand based on the quality of the content and the direct interactions with that content, not necessarily however well that content did on the platform. Because platforms, they're opaque. We don't know the rules. They're, you know, sure, there's rules of thumb and you can get some insight into how these algorithms work. But at the end of the day, I mean, there are thousands of stories of people that have created amazing content and just can't get that sort of distribution happening because they don't get the visibility. And so this is another way I think that content could come into the world and, you know, maybe take us uh, into more of a content cottage industry where creators are. You know, very focused on creating quality brands are finding those micro influencers directly um, and creating one-to-one relationships with those influencers rather than just relying on how are you doing on you know platform x y or z right then instead of uh, relying on serendipity which uh, <laughs> sometimes exactly. uh, yeah, sometimes it's uh it's it's crazy but it's sometimes it, it is sometimes a, a good surprise when you come across something uh, that you haven't seen in a long time and you're like, hey, I, I know this thing. Like uh, like the case for, for the third uh, news that we want to cover today, which is about uh, Slim Jims. And um, when you suggested this one to me, I was like, Slim Jims? I think I know this one. <laughs> Wait, are you talking about Slim Jim, like, like snap into a Slim Jim, the beef jerky? Yeah, 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 yeah. that's the one. Okay, so so tell me about this. What's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Slim Jims is uh, is this this brand that uh, sells uh, jerky, right? And uh, I'm very much uh, into into meat myself, and um, it's always hard for the meat lovers to find snacks that um, really go with uh, our choice of uh, food. Well, so that's why when I found about uh, jerky, which is not a thing that we have in Spain, uh, I, I was very much interested. I was like, okay, a lot of a lot of protein and meat in a very tiny stick. Uh, I like that. It's the kind of snack I was looking for. So for a while, I was very much into Slim Jim's um, jerky, and uh, so that was a, a surprise. Then, when uh, years later, I find about I find out about uh, these uh, meat appears <laughs> created by uh, by Slim Jim's, and. Uh, Yes, it's basically a metaverse. Uh, you know, they're playing with the. So it's not me pronouncing it wrong, which sometimes happens. Now, in this case, they're making the joke <laughs> of uh, of metaverse uh, instead of uh, metaverse. Uh, but yes, uh, they're playing with the with the meat word in this case. Um, and so they, they created this where you can pretty much uh, 
create your own NFTs and they come with digital currency and a lot of stuff that really it is uh, a bit uh, a bit complex. But thankfully, uh, I think you've been a, a um, user <laughs> of this metaverse already and you can somewhat explain what the process is, what the goal is, what is actually happening in this metaverse. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, thanks for the recap. And full disclosure, Alberto and I did go through this experience uh, before we recorded this episode to have a firsthand account of what they're doing in the metaverse. Um, so we've got some details here. I minted a, a Giga Gym, which we'll talk about in a second. And I think this is a really, really excellent example of a brand doing Web3 in a way that's fun, that is accessible, and that actually is you know, complementary to their business outcomes, which at the end of the day, you know, we should have some fun, but we've got to move the needle. So here's what's going on. The Metaverse, it's a mint experience. It's obviously coming from Slim Jim, the brand, and they've built this uh, really fun interactive experience, web-based, um, where you can go and you can mint an NFT and your NFT is a Giga Gym. And Giga Gym is basically a Slim Jim uh, with a buff body and all kinds of accessories. And they're doing some really cool stuff here. So I'm just going to talk through some of the experience and some of the things that I think uh, they're doing right. So, you know, first of all, coming to the experience for the first time, it's fun, it's playful, it's very visual. So, you know, I think a lot of early Web3 projects and even things that we see now, there's a lot of text on the screen. It's a lot of confusing terminology. They're not doing that at all. However, they're also not shying away from this term Web3, right? They're not trying to hide this as, you know, just another Web2 interactive experience. They're being very Web3 forward here, which I think is the right move, um, with, you know, based on the way they're positioning this. And so you show up, the minting experience then, uh, it's, we'll get a, into a little bit of terminology here. You can mint with a custodial wallet meaning that you basically log in with an email address and they are custodying your NFT on your behalf. You can also connect a Web3 wallet. So if you have a Coinbase wallet or you have MetaMask, you can just connect and then you can mint. This is all happening on the Polygon network. So ultra fast and very cheap. Um, I didn't have to, I, well, I, I may have paid a couple of pennies for the transaction because I did it with a uh, Web3 wallet, but these are very, very low cost. And for you know, if somebody has a Web3 wallet and they're on the Polygon network, you know, you can go you can go have fun all day with a dollar on Polygon versus, you know, something like Ethereum, which can be a lot more expensive. If you're using a custodial wallet, they're taking care of that behind the scenes. So you don't even really interact with the fees or anything like that. And so what happens is you go through, you um, you mint your Giga Gym. And then the next thing that they're doing that's really cool is they're incorporating this idea of something called sauce. And sauce is basically credits or tokens or, you know, it's a way to power up your Giga Gym. And so they have Giga Gym goes to the lab and the lab is basically where you can power up your NFT. And by power up, it means that you can take this sauce. They give you a little bit of sauce in the beginning. Um, and you blend sauce in this little mixing machine and it spits out an enhancement for your Giga Gym. So you're evolving your NFT as you go. Keep in mind, this is all happening in the artwork. And so your, your actual NFT is changing. It's dynamic. We've talked a lot about dynamic NFTs in the past. And this is a great example of how you can take this fun approach with an evolving NFT that changes based on somebody's interaction with your brand. So that's all great. However, we did say that this needs to map to business outcomes. 
So the other cool thing that they're doing is that to earn that sauce, that sauce that is going to level up your NFT, there's a couple of ways you can do it. One, you can interact with them uh, via Discord, and I'm sure they'll have other ways to earn that sauce that's based on your interaction. So it's driven by your participation. They're encouraging people to interact with Slim Jim. They're getting the brand in front of their audience. You can also earn sauce um, by, and I'm not sure if they'll use a UPC code or how that's going to work yet, but if you buy a Slim Jim, you'll be able to prove that you bought the Slim Jim by maybe scanning a code or something, and then that will earn you sauce. And so this is a direct connection to the way that, or to encouraging spending, to encouraging people to buy Slim Jims, which if you want to talk about bottom line impact, like it really doesn't get better or more direct than that. So this is a really great, um, I think, example of what a brand can do just by thinking a little creatively about, you know, how do you take the basics of Web3? You've got these digital items that are owned by people. You want to make them fun, a little bit spicy with this idea of powering things up and the image changes. So there's a rarity component. There's maybe a little bit of competition happening. You add in some utility and you gamify that utility a little bit by introducing some ways to earn those power-ups. In this case, sauce is the way you do that. You sprinkle in some purchase incentives, again, through sauce. And in their FAQ, they also talk about a forthcoming leaderboard. So as you start you know, interacting with the community, interacting with their Discord, which they did create a Discord, um, you'll be able to kind of flex your position in the community. So all of the fundamentals here in terms of building a solid Web3 strategy, and I think really building on the pieces of Web3 projects that have worked really well um, is, is showing up in this, in the metaverse. So, you know, congrats to the team at Slim Jim and, uh, you know, the people behind this project, the strategy, um, I think really curious to see where this goes. I definitely minted one. <laughs> Alberto, you're probably going to hop off this call and mint one too, but, uh, yeah. What do you think? Yes. Well, there are, there are 10,000, I think uh, that can be minted. And, um, yes, uh, you, you showed me before the process, some of the art that, uh, was created for this. And, uh, what I found is, that uh, as you were saying, is is very simple. Like, uh, of course, you, you you narrated the experience, and for someone who is listening, can sound or can feel a bit uh, uh, complex. But uh, no, no, not whatsoever. It's very simple. Every 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 screen takes you to the next. Uh, it's just click, 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 and uh, everything is well explained. And yeah, it's it's like playing an '90s uh, video game with um, with uh, the most basic interface, but still, it's very it's very it's a very very good design, and uh, and yes, uh, uh, overall a very nice experience. Which, uh, as you said, is also connected to actually selling product, which is the the main goal, or should be, I guess, the the the, the main goal. Um, okay, we've covered these three pieces of news today. Um, can we maybe? Get into the takeaways that we want to discuss for for today's uh, news. I think uh, let me start. <laughs> I think uh, what we what we see here is uh, so first how companies that uh, use um, databases can uh, can benefit from something like Web three potentially in a, you know in a, in a massive way because of what we suggested what we mentioned before about the tokens and the and the wallets being open. And public that makes the, the whole experience much easier, uh, not so much um, um, not so much friction as uh, in Web two. And um, again, this this what this 
in my mind at least is connected to the second piece of news that we talked about the the influencers because uh, again i think this translates or this uh, this um, simplicity could could also uh, bring be brought over to to this to this influencer marketing that uh, is taking off and i think uh, well like like hubspot thinks it's going to continue to to grow and um, and uh, yes i think the the one that i think brings um the most benefit today for for companies is of course i think the, the third piece of news that we covered today the, the, the slim gyms not only because i love slim gyms but because the, the experience is really easy and and uh, very easy to translate to to a to a business right because you're basically creating a gamif- gamified or like a, like a game so you're taking a, a snack and you're creating a game and the, the game is um uh, incentivizing you to basically purchase more more snacks which i think is, is very nice yeah no i agree with all your takeaways you know I, I think one that i'll add just to maybe wrap this whole piece up is uh we are early but we're also moving really quickly as an industry web3 is really coming into its own and every day we're seeing more and more evidence that people are going all in on web3 or plan to go all in on web3 so you know, if you're out there and you're thinking about how do how do I start using this in business, um, take a look around at what your peers are doing. Take a look at some of the case studies out there around what brands are already doing to get involved. Um, get familiar with the technology. Experiment because there's a lot of opportunity out there, and we're looking forward to more and more of these stories. Right. Yeah, and it's, and I think it's low hanging fruit at this moment, right? Like uh, we're talking here about Slim Gems uh, creating this and and doing a very good job, and it's not it's not really something that looks super complex that they I'm, I'm sure they didn't spend uh, one year or two years uh, developing this uh, it was it's good developed and it's a good strategy but i don't think they took two years to, to build it so yeah it's, it's really it's really something that um could could be very easy for for any company at this stage well uh thank you nick <laughs> thank you alberto see you next time talk to you Thanks for listening to Marketing Meets Web3. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like and subscribe in your favorite podcast app.